Luke chapter 17, beginning to read at verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, We're not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Lessons from the ten lepers, cleanse, healed, or made whole, part two. That's this morning. Last week we looked at where Christ was here. It was called in our reading, it says he passed through in verse 11, the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now we looked at how this passing through the midst gives the idea of actually walk between the borders of Samaria and Galilee. And we looked John 4, Christ must needs go through Samaria. And we also know that uh, the, the northern kingdom of Israel, this is the region of them. There are 10 which would represent the 10 tribes that were there and carried away captive over 700 and probably 750 years at this point beforehand. So when we look at this, we see they represent the nation there. And when they're healed, one returned to give thanks. We looked at how uh, he could represent the elect church in our land, in our nation, the elect redeemed church of God. He returned to give thanks. And I love our reading. When you look down to verse 15, it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. Notice verse 16. And fell down on his face at his feet. He's glorifying God, and he falls down on his face at his feet. Do you know what this is telling me this morning? that he knew and recognized that this was God, that Jesus Christ is God. That's what this man believed and saw at this point. And so when we looked at this, we looked at quite a bit last week, I can't really go into it. We looked at how Jesus then uses our labors, our work sometimes, our secular work, when we're saved and he uses it for his glory, sanctifies it and uses it. The fishermen on the shore when he says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, if you remember that. And that's taken from Jeremiah 16 and verse 16. It says, behold, I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and shall fish them, and will send for hunters, and shall hunt them from every mountain, from every hill, and out of the holes of the rock. So Jesus walking along the beach was using, taking the word of God that he gave to Jeremiah. Now he's fulfilling the word of God which he gave to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 16. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So he wasn't doing these things just on a whim. It wasn't just because it sounded nice, but he did it because he was God come to fulfill the word. 
And so we, we looked at all, all of that and much more last week. We're going to move on this morning and we stopped at where it says in verse 12, and as he entered into a certain village, they met him 10 men that were lepers which stood afar off. Remember, 10 men which were lepers. The Christ seen the man. He seen the person and the leprosy then after that. And how he sees the man and the woman. Listen, all of us, before we were saved, he seen us. He loved our soul. He loved you and I. He sees the man and woman and how we shouldn't dehumanize people because we don't like them or they're different than us. Sometimes we find it too easily to dehumanize. We looked at how people have dehumanized soldiers or police officers because they're in a uniform uh, then they're worthy of death. And that's what happened not only in Ulster but in different places of the world or because someone was a different religion. We must never dehumanize people but see the soul that we could reach, the man and the woman, for Christ sees the man first and then the leprosy. Leprosy gives us a snapshot, we'll look at it in a moment, of sin, of sin. There met him 10 men that were lepers. I want to look at the number 10 for a moment. The number 10. The Spirit shows us the men with their leprosy and gives us the exact number. I think it's amazing how the Holy Spirit is so direct, so precise, even counted the number of them. The number 10 is used in Scripture 242 times. 242 times. 10 is the number which means completion or God's perfect order. Completion or God's perfect order. For example, we have numbers like 3, 7, and 12, which are similar, meaning given the idea of a perfect order or a completion. For example, the number 3 speaks of witness and testimony. At the mouth of two or three witnesses should every word be established, we're told, in the Scripture. So three speaks of witness and testimony. For example, God is one, yet he's revealed in the scriptures and manifest to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we find that in that, it gives a a depth and a strength of witness and testimony of the living God. For example, if I were to take you to, say, this table here, if you can see it from over there, but the table here has length and breadth. That's two-dimension, length and breadth. It gives a surface area of the table. We can witness to that. But with the legs on it, down the way is the depth of it. Or if you come from the ground up, the height of it. That's the third dimension. And so it gives more of a dimension to a witness when there's a number three involved. And so three gives us that complete witness, as it were. If we were to go to the number seven, for example... Seven is the number of perfection, and it's similar as well, for there's seven annual holy days in the feasts of Israel. And if you were to look at those feasts, we'll maybe take you through them sometime, they all speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, every one of them. The first feast of Israel starts with Passover, and Passover, then you have the rest, and the seventh feast, it's, it's actually the Feast of Tabernacles. 
So here we have the Passover. Glenn spoke about it around the table this morning, read of the scripture of it, and it's the Passover lamb. Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us. Then we have the other feast representing other things. We can't go into it this morning. The final one is the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's when Christ comes and behold, God has tabernacled among men. He tabernacled in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the man of Galilee, Jesus of Nazareth. But he will tabernacle again among his people when he returns. So we have the seven feasts, perfect completion from God. We have in John's gospel, pardon me, the revelation that John wrote, we have seven churches, seven church ages it is, from the church of Ephesus at the beginning, goes through the seven churches that were around Asia Minor, and they are seven church ages of history, right up till today, the last church, Luke, Revelation chapter 3, is the church of Laodicea. That's the church that's lukewarm and makes Jesus want to spew us out of his mouth. That's the church before his coming. That's the church we're living in. That's the church today. Seven churches. They have seven scenes. We have seven vials. The seven spirits of God. Now that does mean God has seven spirits. It's a perfection of the spirit. And then there's the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. First of all, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the very last one is, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Starting at the cross with his father as the lamb bleeding. Bleeding for forgiveness. And now it is resurrection that I commend my spirit. I will rise again. Seven, completion and perfection. And so when we get to 12, that's another one. 12 is the number of government. We have 12 tribes. 12 apostles. And we could go on and on. But when we get to number 10, it signifies testimony. It signifies law. It signifies responsibility and completion of God's order. For example, the Ten Commandments. They are the Ten Moral Laws of God. And then, of course, we have the Ten God says, believe it or not, if you read Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light, etc. There's ten of them showing God's completion of creation and his perfection of his creativity. There's ten of them. There were ten plagues. Again, going back to around the table what Glenn read this morning, there were ten plagues in Egypt. The tenth one was the death angel. And the Lord says, tonight I come through Egypt, but when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that was the tenth last completion of the release of God's Israel people out of Egypt. So you can see there, there are many tens. And as I said, there are 242 of them. For example, the, the Passover of the tenth plague it can go both ways. It was either for death or deliverance. Death or deliverance. When Christ died on the cross, then we have death or deliverance for those who trust or reject him. It's the Lamb of God. Death or deliverance. I trust we're all in deliverance. That is salvation. 
And so there, there's many pictures that we can look at here. And whenever we think of the lamb, the Passover lamb, it was on the 10th day of the first month. It was the Passover lamb was the 10th day of the first month to be taken. 10 again, God's perfect number for law, order, responsibility. Perfection. First month, number one. The Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh, our Elohim is one Yahweh. One in ten. God's perfection in the Passover. God himself coming to be Passover. And giving us the ten, as it were, commandments. And then, of course, we have the tenth day of the seventh month, which was known as the Day of Atonement. Again, to do with the blood. Death or deliverance. Number ten. Here we have God's divine perfect order. Number seven, God's completion again, as we spoke of earlier. And what was it to do with the Day of Atonement? The day when if those who were not covered in the blood would find its death or deliverance. So, we have parables like the ten virgins. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke 19. I've tried to keep it, some of these pretty close for time's sake to be able to uh, flick across. Luke chapter 19. And for time's sake, we have the parable of the man that hath ten pounds. And he goes away and he comes back again looking for his, his interest. And let your eye run down, please, to verse 12. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. This is Jesus speaking of himself from his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into glory. You'll read of this in the book of Daniel when the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days to receive a kingdom. This is what he's speaking of. Verse 13, And he called his notice of ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Again, ten servants. And the gospel went out seeking the lost sheep. The ten Servants, the ten lepers, there's ten tribes, there's ten commandments going out to them and then the gospel comes through them. This is what he's saying, go out and bring the gospel. Go out and bring the fruit of the kingdom. And of course, you read the rest of that and there are those, he says in verse 14, but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Here we have the Jews on the day of his crucifixion. He's saying, they won't have me to reign over them. And it came to pass when he was returned, having received the kingdom, that he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then the first saying, Lord, here thy ten pounds hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good and faithful, pardon me, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a little, thou hast have thy authority over ten cities. Excuse my reading. Over ten cities. 
And here he's saying there's authority, there's place in the kingdom of God. So, brothers and sisters, you and I should be striving to be the most faithful that we can be before God. What have you done with your pound? What have you done with your pound? Never mind the person beside you, in front of you, behind you. What have you done with your pound? And when Christ returns, will you have something of fruit, not for your, ser- your salvation, but service? What would you have to offer him? He will say, as it were, what did you do with my pound that I give you? Notice this. When we look at these ten leprous men, I just wanted to show you that for an example. You can read it later. Luke 17 again, please. Luke 17 and verse 12 says, And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. Notice, ten men which were lepers which stood afar off. These men were doing as they were told to do. How do we know? Go to Leviticus 13, please. Leviticus chapter 13. And let your eye run down. If I were you, I would read the whole chapter. Read the whole chapter when you have a chance because it will, be, it will enlighten you more for where we're going in a moment, but we haven't time to go through it all. Luke thir- pardon me, Leviticus 13 and verse 45. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. He was to stay away and shout from a distance. Now, tradition tells me it was at least, guess what, six feet, two meters. And so he was to shout, unclean, unclean. And I know that there were some who I asked to stay home a week or so, and they were saying, we are the lepers, unclean, unclean. Notice here. They stood afar off and they cried, verse 13, and they lift up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Please have mercy on us. Look at what he says in verse 14, please. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. Leviticus chapter 14 then, turn it if you will. Leviticus 14. So he tells them to go show themselves unto the priest. Jesus is fulfilling the law. Verse 1. Leviticus 14, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying... This shall be the law of the leper. In the day of his, notice, in the day of his what? Cleansing. This is the day of their cleansing. This is being fulfilled in the day of Jesus. This shall be the law of the leper in the day of their cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed, in the leper, then shall the priest command 
to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird was killed over running water. Now, when you read on there, he's to take a bird, one's dead, over running water, the blood in the water would flow. What does that remind you of? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, doesn't it? When they pierce his side, the Lord Jesus, blood and water run out. They dip the other one in it and actually it gets to be let go. It's like the scapegoat that we've heard not so long ago. So Jesus is fulfilling the law. Why? Because people say, well, why did he tell him to go to the priests? Why not just heal him and that's it? He fulfilled the law to the T. So Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, everyone knows this, I'm sure. Listen to what the Lord says to Israel through Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What is the Lord saying here? The Lord is likening the national sin of Israel. He has likened the national sin as leprosy. And what he's saying, the Lord is saying is here, come you and I, I am your priest or your high priest as it were. And he's saying, this is in the Old Testament now, he's saying, you're going to be cleansed if you come to me. Come and show me your leprosy. I'll examine it because when you go to Leviticus 13 and on, it tells you what color the leprosy would be, whether they're clean or whether they're not, whether they're contagious or not, whether they're smittle or not, whether they're able to be brought back into fellowship among people or not. And so the Lord is saying, come and I'll examine you like the priests examine you. Jesus is saying, go to the priest, they will examine you. And so this is what the Lord is saying. But what he's saying is, I'm examining you, your sin, the nation's sin. I will examine Israel's sin. Go to Isaiah chapter 1, please. And he gives us an idea. Whenever you read this, you think of our nation. You think of Ulster. You think of the United Kingdom. You think of Ireland and America and Canada. You tell me if this is not a picture of everything you know, see, and hear in these days. Isaiah chapter 1, please. Let's just go to verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Now you tell me, is this not a picture of the day and hour we're living in? Verse 4, this is God speaking. Here's their leprosy. Here's our nation, the, the depraved actions of our people. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger and they are gone away backward. Think of the way our nation has went. Who would have thought even 10, 
15, maybe 20 years ago, Christian, who would have thought that this is the way our nation would have went? Who would have thought even before the beginning of this year, this is the way our nation would have went? Even the church. Look, there's, there, there's people when lockdown came and they used it as an excuse to escape the Lord. I'm telling you the truth. Nowhere to be found. Of course, they can't escape him. They used it for their own benefit. I wonder, were they ever saved at all? Notice verse 5. Why should you be stricken anymore? Why will you revolt more and more? Notice the whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. You can take this from John O'Groats to Land's End, from London to London Derry. This is the state of our people. From Dundee to Dublin. Notice this. From the sole of the foot, even under the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not closed, neither bound up, neither hath mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land strangers devoured it in your presence. Is this not happening? That the stranger now devours our cities and our lands and we're sitting watching it? And it is desolate and overthrown by strangers. Brothers and sisters, when we look at this, we see how this leprosy of sin is pictured here nationally before God. And then, of course, when we get down to verse 18, he says, Come now, come to me, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. I'll check you for your leprous sores. So in Luke 17, please. Luke 17. It says in verse 14. Verse 14, please. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. It came to pass that, notice, as they went, they were cleansed. Here's something to note here. Here's a picture of a people who seem to act upon in faith upon the bare word of God. They weren't cleansed, but they started to walk and they started to be cleansed. If they'd obeyed the commandments as a people, as a nation, God would have cleansed. But notice this. I need you to draw close with this. I don't want you to get me wrong here. The word cleansed is the word katharizo. And it means literally or figuratively to be cleansed or to be healed. But you're still not made whole. So the ten is walking away. Here's our nation walking away. And God in his grace, for some reason, like the one leper that turns around and he comes to Christ doesn't come to anywhere else, to no one else. 
He's not trusting in CET and he's not trusting in denominationalism and he's not trusting in institutionalism and he's not trusting in anyone or anything else. He's not trusting in the Church of Rome and he's not trusting in any any, uh, political affiliation. He's coming and he's coming to Christ. Glorifying God, he falls on his face when he gets to the feet of Christ. That is the elect redeemed church out of our nation. Notice this. As they went, they were cleansed. And these lepers, as I think I mentioned it last week, they were under general grace. As I said, the the, the Dutch reformers used to call it, uh, or pardon me, they called it general grace. Uh, It's known as common grace. That the, the just and the unjust receive blessings from the Lord, but it's saving grace. It's a lacking grace that calls the sinner to him. Notice this. In Jeremiah 7, you can turn to it if you want. We're going to read a couple of verses from it. Listen to what the Lord says through the prophet. Jeremiah 7, verse 23 and 24, please. But this thing... I command them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God. There's many people don't want to obey the voice of God today. Going on feelings. It doesn't feel right. It's not about your feelings or my feelings, it's about His Word. Notice here, but this thing I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Do you know whenever Queen Elizabeth went to the Indian prince, and he asked her one time, or pardon me, he came before her, I should say, and and he asked her one time, what is the secret of then it was England's greatness? You know what she said it was, all the military might, the great empire that had been built? No. She didn't say any of that. She handed him a copy of the King James authorized Bible she says this is the secret of England's greatness it doesn't matter how many people and protests we would have this is the secret of Ulster's greatness and Ulster is becoming a depraved na- nation and people, because they've put this out of the pulpits, they've put this out of the schools. Note here, brothers and sisters, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 24. But they hearkened not nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels of their, in the counsels and in the imaginations of their evil heart. And went backward and not forward. Walked in the counsels of their imaginations. And brothers and sisters, we have to understand, even as Christians, sometimes our imaginations, we think, well, this must be what we do. Even when the Word of God speaks against it, Christians think, well, we can do this. And the idea of it is, no, you can't. You may be doing it, but you won't get away with it. Sometime God will say, time's up. The word here for in the councils and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backwards and not forward. The word imagination here is the word shariruth. 
Shari, Ruth, and it means, it's actually used 10 times as well, by the way, the word for it. It's used 10 times in the scripture. Eight times in Jeremiah, once in Deuteronomy 29 and 19, and once in Psalm 81, but it's a different English word. But the word imagination here, or Shari, Ruth, gives the idea of something that is stubborn, a mind and heart that is hard, gone hard, and has become twisted. Become twisted. I find this mindset in our nation, in our news, on social media, and I find it in the church. For example, in Psalm 81, verses 1, pardon me, verses 11 and 12. Psalm 81, it says, But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. Huh? They didn't want anything to do with me. My people would not hearken to my voice, and Britain would have nothing to do with me. America would have nothing to do with me. We think of all the things that are happening. Man's inhumanity unto man and babies murdered in the womb. And we could go on and on and on. And all of the debauchery and all the things that are happening in our land full of sin and ugliness, brothers and sisters. And God hates it. You know the old saying, oh, uh, you, you, you hate the sin and love the sinner. Christ never said that. It's not in the word of God. Did you know that? Do you know who said that? And Christians quote it all the time. Mahatma Gandhi said it. You know what the Lord says? The Lord says he hits sin and, he, and his anger is on the sinner every day. That open the word of God. Note here. Note here. This word here, but my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me. Verse 12, so I gave them up to their own heart's lust. I fear, I fear that we're, I'm speaking of Ulster, anyone in any other countries or, or, or UK or wherever Ireland can put it to their own, but I'm speaking of us in Ulster, in Northern Ireland here, and I'm speaking for, about us, so whoever wants can add it to them. Listen, you imagine, so I give them up to their own heart's lust. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. Our children our children, brothers and sisters, are being programmed. And that which was unthought of or unheard of 10 years, 15 years ago, is now the norm today. It's normality. And you're evil, and I'm evil, and they're good. Listen, people hear about communism. And I used to say 20 years ago, I went to Romania, lived there for a while, um, just over the 20 years ago, and I lived there for a while, Alison and I, and there was still a lot of communism there, and we thought we knew what communism was. And we kept thinking, and even when I was preaching, when I came back home, it was, well, communism is red Russia, communism is red China, communism is red North Korea, communism is Venezuela and all this sort of stuff. This is all communism. And it may be all of those, that it's Cuba and so on and so on. It may be all of them, but let me tell you what communism is. And the whole of our nation, the rest of the people are blinded to it. Communism is what's happening in our land at this very moment. Communism is the programming of our children. 
programming of you. It's the hearing of the word of God. It's the tearing down of the gospel. And, and listen, communism is when everybody thinks they have a divine right to have everything equal because we're not. It's as simple as that. It starts when children are running in sports and school. There's no losers here, so everyone must be the same. Communism is in our nation, and there are those who say they're conservative, and there are those who say they are liberal. And listen, they're two years of the same donkey, brothers and sisters. Communism is rife. I'm going to say something that I'll probably get myself into trouble again. Listen to this. See if you think that the Stormont government, see if you think that the Shinners up in Stormont, do you see if you think that they want Northern Ireland to succeed? Do you see if you are of the opinion, well, they've all really changed and they want us to succeed? You need to go pray about this because I'll tell you why. They want to tear our country down. They want Ulster to be disbanded and took away. 100th anniversary next year of the formation of Northern Ireland. And it was little evangelical Ulster where it was the blood and the book was preached across the land. And now, look at the state of us. Why? Because they've taken the word of God out. That's why. God is allowing our little province, our little Ulster, God is allowing it to be decimated. You know why? Because we threw out the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why. And here's what they want. They want a united Ireland to bring us back into Europe that will be under a beast system in its totality. Now, if you think it's any different than that, you're greatly mistaken. say that for the rest of the parties too there's a lot I could say about the rest of the parties in Matthew chapter 17 they were saying the cleansing as they went the only way Our nation will be cleansed as when we start in faith again to walk right. To trust God's bare word. In Matthew 23 and verse 25, listen to what Jesus says. We want to use scribes, Pharisees and hypocrites for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within you are full of extortion and excess. The cleansing isn't as the blood of cleansing from Christ, where we are cleansed from within to without. The cleansing was an outward cleansing, like the Pharisees made sure they were clean inside, but were rotten and filthy inside. These men started to see a cleaning on the outside. And nationally, if we had a government that would have called a national day of prayer when they were petitioned to. Like King George VI did the time of Dunkirk. Thousands of men were rescued when God created a miracle and flattened the English Channel 
like a duck pond to let little flotillas go over to lift up men. Like God did on that time when he put a storm between uh, the, the, the German Luftwaffe at the same time, a storm between the German Luftwaffe and the British troops and the Allied troops. They couldn't fly over to bomb them on the beach the way they wanted to. And they sat the, pond, the, the English Channel like a duck pond. And he brought them back. You know why there was a national day of prayer called? Does that mean that everyone's saved and going to heaven? No, it doesn't. But it means God answered the prayer nationally. Notice, brothers and sisters, verse 15 of Luke 17. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice and glorified God. I wonder why one. Jesus asked why. Why is only one? Where's the nine? He was healed. First one was cleansed. Here he's healed. And it's the word healed here is the word iamai means to be healed, to be made whole, to bring about. To be healed, to be whole, to bring about. In other words, to turn. This man's starting to walk with the rest and he starts seeing him healed. Something happened that this man inside went, we're healed guys. And well, we're going to the priest. Follow religion. We're going to go to the priest. Christ was standing here. And he turned and he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let's remember whether this man had special revelation or whether he had paid more attention, I don't know. But one thing was he represents the called elect blood-washed church in the land. Galatians 3 and 24 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That, he, that we might be justified by faith. Notice, here he's going and the law started to, he, he's obeying the law, Leviticus 13 into Leviticus 14, and he's obeying the law and he's going, starting to be healed. This obeying the law, this obeying the word of God, I'm starting to be healed. Boom. And he turns around to Jesus. Brings us on to Christ. The law shows us who we are, Shows us our sin and our healing, our completion is all in Christ. I close with this. This man realized he was healed. And what about being made whole? Look at Luke 17, please. That's where I run down to the last verse, verse 19. And when. He said, and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith, thy faith hath made thee whole. See, we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, according to the word of God alone. So we give glory to Christ alone, or God alone. Now note this, it was faith. And this man turned around and Jesus says, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Do you know what Jesus was doing here? He was declaring him just. Declaring him righteous. The word to be justified by faith means God declares those who are trusting in Christ alone. God declares 
us when we are washed by faith in the blood of the Lamb and walking by faith according to the Word of God. God declares us whole. God declares us saved. God declares us righteous, justified. Jesus was saying to him when he came back, fell at his feet glorifying God, Jesus said, you're made whole. I'm declaring you righteous. So, Luke 17, verse 13. They lift up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 15. Luke 17, 13, they lift up their voice. Luke 17, 15. And one of them, when they saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice. Notice, verse 13, they lift up their voices. Then we have a loud voice, glorified God. So here's what I've written as a termination of this message. This man realized salvation was off the Lord. This man had a heart full of gratitude and was unashamed to show it. This man's voice was louder in praise and glorification of God than it was when he cried in his sin. Many of us say, oh, I've forgiven of my sin, but your praise stops after that. Many of us seek God in prayer and need this, Lord, oh, help me, help me, help me, Lord. You're wonderful, you can do all things. And whenever we get there and God answers our prayer, what do we do? Thanks God, I'm away. I'm away. This man turned to give thanks. Fell on his face at his Jesus' feet. May God bless his word to us this morning. In Jesus' name.